Yo, this is Pastor Tito here welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And today we are going to focus on the final three weeks of this series called What is in it for me talking about spiritual practices that we're supposed to do and these final three weeks we're gonna do a three-part breakdown of three spiritual practices that jesus talked about things that we are supposed to do and how to do it why the motivation behind it and today is going to be one regarding giving next week we're going to talk about prayer then we're going to wrap up with fasting but i'm gonna tell you Jesus goes right to the heart of the issue. It has nothing to do with what's in your hand, and it has everything to do with what's in your heart. We are getting close to, it's crazy to say, I mean, when we just finished Thanksgiving, you know around the corner, what's next? Christmas, right? Right around the corner. And so when Christmas is here, before you know it, that's New Year's. And so the time, man, we, we only have a few weeks left of 2021, which is still crazy to say. And so one of my, my, my heart behind what we've been doing, and if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were going to end 2021 where we started, focusing on our spiritual habits, spiritual practices, so that we can experience God, grow and mature in our faith more and more. Because listen, that's what every believer in Christ is supposed to do. And for some of you, that might be a little shocking to know that uh, when it comes to following Christ, it means more than just reading the verse of the day and showing face on Sunday every once in a while. This is not an activity that you participate in periodically. This is a lifestyle that Jesus invites us into, something that we can experience in a mighty, mighty way. And so this is what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. If you've missed any, you can go to our website, tabernacleofgod.church, and you can look up old sermons there as we've been looking at this question, what's in it for me, as we are looking at how and why we ought to implement certain spiritual practices daily in our lives. And so today is going to be, as we're wrapping things up, this is going to be part one of a three-part study of Jesus's words. In fact, it is part of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount that's found in Matthew 6. And we're going to break three things up today as Jesus talks about three important spiritual habits and uh, not only what to do, but, and why you should do it, but also how not to do it. And so today we're going to focus on the spiritual habit of giving. And I think it's perfect that we talk about that in between, sandwiched in between this week and this holiday that just passed and the next one, right? As we talk about Thanksgiving, and then now we're going to talk about a holiday where we're giving gifts, right? And so I think it's perfect that we focus on this moment right now of when it comes to giving as a spiritual practice, an important thing right there. Um, Now, giving also kind of ties into doing good, all right? I mean, the reason why we give is in order to do good. Let's just be real, all right? When it comes to Christians, when we give of our offerings, when we give of our tithes, you know, we can, when we give of our time, when we give of our ability, wisdom, talents, right? When we give of those things, we do it not for any other reason but to do good. Let's just be real, right? And we all know that doing good feels good, doesn't it? Doing good feels good. That's why we like to do good. It feels good. But we're going to kind of examine a little bit of the heart behind that, 
Because yes, it does feel good, but we have to make sure that we are doing good as we are doing good. I know that sounds weird, but you'll see what I mean in a minute. Because let's just be honest. I know I'm not the only one here who's done this. Where when you do good, there's a part of you that wants to make sure that you are acknowledged and you get credit for what you just did. Okay, I heard two chuckles. That means I'm not alone, right? Y'all feel me on that online? You feel me? Right? That when you do good, then sometimes you notice them like, anybody else notice what I just did? And then you do it. Maybe some of you do things a more exaggerated way so that others can know what you did and give you the credit and applause. Listen, I have to be honest. I'm trying to get better at it. I know I've talked to my wife about it. But sometimes when I um, do the dishes or help around the house and do laundry, I make a big deal of it. And so sometimes I'll be like, babe, I did the dishes today. I did the laundry, I vacuumed, I killed it today. And I say it because I want her to be like, it's like deep down, I don't know what I'm expecting. I'm like, oh, you, oh, you are so good. Th- oh my gosh, thank you. So you are, I knew, I knew I chose right. I knew I chose right. I knew I chose right. I'm gonna be real, when I say those things and I make sure to tell her I did something good, I, I want her to acknowledge that I did. Twisted, I'm doing the same things that she does, and she doesn't blow it in my face to be able to get credit for it, but she does it because it's the right thing to do. So my bad. All right. Y'all feel me though? Have we ever done one of those things, right? In front of the teachers or this, in front of a parent, in front of a friend, in front of your boss and coworkers, because you want to make sure, yo, I get the credit for this. Right? I know it was really frustrating maybe for some of you when you got put in groups at school and you saw that, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to carry the team today. Right? You just knew. Some of y'all knew. Some of y'all are like, yeah, that was, that's why I wanted so-and-so because I knew. Right? And then one person does most of the work and then everybody gets equal credit. That was frustrating. Right? But we all, deep down, there's a part of us that wants to be affirmed and acknowledged that, hey, we did the right thing. Some of us, let's be real, some of us, we do good not to get credit. Some of us do good to get permission. All right, moms and dads, I know everybody's done this, right? You, listen, I don't know if my mom figured it out, but the cleaner my room was, that was because I was about to ask for something, all right? And so the cleaner my room was, the, the, the more organized I was, I mean, some of you, I'm just telling you, if, if, you're, if you notice a change in your kid for the better and they haven't said anything, watch out, all right? Because something's coming. Something's coming. They're going to ask you for money. They're going to ask you for something, and they're going to ask you for permission. Look, so everybody that I can see online, you should see it. They're like, oh my gosh, that's what they do all the time, right? You can see it. And so a lot of times we do good to get permission, but isn't that manipulation though? Think about that. You are trying to manipulate somebody to get something. So are you doing good for the sake of doing good? No, right, it's not. And then another one, this one, this one's a cultural term. Has anyone ever heard of virtue signaling before? Yes or no? Virtue signaling. Okay, you might not have heard the term, but guess what? You probably have done it, I guarantee it. Virtue signaling, and you know some of these people who do it. Virtue signaling are those people who post pictures or quotes or tweets or, or they just say something so that everybody knows. They say something good or they do a good deed and make it known to everybody so that not to manipulate you, not to get applause from you. They do it to say, hey, guys, by the way, I want you to know I did good today. And you know what they're telling you by saying that? Because I did good, I am good and I'm better than you who didn't do it. 
That's virtue signaling. Y'all know a few now? Y'all kind of get it a little bit? It's people who put out there the good things that they do and all these things to feel better about themselves. And also, it's a form of pride. It's like saying, if you don't believe in this, these are the people who put those political or those triggering terms out there. And, and they say, this is what I believe. And if you don't, you're not a good person. But I am because huh, I'm on the right side of history, whatever they say. That's what that is. So here's the thing about doing good that we need to recognize, guys. We all know this. We all know that it's good, right? We all know that it's good to give. We all know that it's good to give and to do good. We all know that it's good to give. The problem is that none of us are naturally good at giving. Look at what I just noticed. None of us are naturally good at giving. We have these ulterior motives that so many times are so off, we don't even recognize that we are being prideful in our giving that we are being manipulative in our giving, that we are being um, just, so we want to be worshipped in our giving. We all know giving good, I'm sorry, let me say it again. We all know that it is good to give. We're not just good at giving. And Jesus exposes that, exposes our selfish nature while actually showing us how to be different and how to get a new nature. And so we're just going to look at one part of Matthew chapter six. Over the next three weeks, we're going to keep on going. So we're going to break up one big discourse that Jesus does, and we're going to chop it up. So next week will be the, the next thing that he says, and then the week after that will be the next thing. And so Jesus launches into this sermon on the mount, considered to be the greatest sermon ever given. Obviously, listen, if anybody was going to be given credit for giving the best sermon in the world, wouldn't it be God himself, right? The guy who wrote it, the author himself, it should be. And so so the Sermon on the Mount is that, and it's this discourse that God gives, and in it, it is this, he's trying to tell and show people really what the kingdom looks like and what it's about to look like. It's amazing. It's really, really good. It's a lot of great stuff in there, and it shows us just really, it exposes our sinful nature and shows us how to find a new one, which is only by faith, through, by faith in God through grace, no other means. But throughout it all, he kind of exposes and he kind of really takes one of the culture's sacred cows. And these are the Pharisees of the time. And he really leans in on these guys. In fact, what he's about to say in Matthew 6 is a continuation of what he said in Matthew 5.20. So when he's saying, listen, if you want to know God and you want to follow God, then your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. And I want you to know that everybody in the room, everybody, well, they were outside, okay, a sermon on the mount, so whatever. Um, so they're outdoors. Everybody in the vicinity of hearing those words must have took a pause and be like, What? For you, that might not, might not have been a big deal. But the thing is that the Pharisees were considered to be the best of the best out there. These were the people who knew the word of God better than anybody else. They could quote it to you frontwards, backwards, inside and out. They had it memorized. Some of you guys, listen, you maybe have two phone numbers memorized, right? Everybody else is because of your phone. I don't even memorize phone numbers anymore. I don't even... I, I don't even know my dad's number. I'm going to be real. I don't I remember. I just see Bobby. That's it. I don't know his number, right? So many of us, we don't memorize things anymore because it's just automatic. It's there. These guys had memorized the entire Old Testament perfectly. These guys knew the scriptures inside and out, and they were good at it. They were good at knowing the word of God. They were good at doing good. These were the heroes. These were the people, man. They were the model. They were the standard. They were borderline perfect in the eyes of people. 
And Jesus says, oh, if you want to draw near to me, you want to grow closer to God, you got to be better than the best people out there. It has to exceed that. And he's like, wait, wait a minute. But see, then Jesus kind of then pops everybody's bubbles and says, listen, yeah, well, these guys, yeah, they're not as good as they think they are. And he literally puts them on blast in front of everybody. And so he goes in, and, and this is what we're going to look at right now. Let's look at just verse 1. Chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus goes and says this. Be careful. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father in heaven. So here's the thing. God is not telling us not to practice, right? When he says practice righteousness, he's talking about righteousness is a right standing relationship with God. Righteousness also means doing the right thing. And notice he says practice, meaning look, there's grace in practice. Training takes time. And so we're supposed to grow in this. But notice he says, don't do it this way. You're supposed to do it, but don't do it this way. Don't do it in a way that puts it in front of everybody because you're you're not going to get a reward. So Jesus gives now three specific spiritual practices on what to do and what not to do. The first one we're going to look at today is giving. Next week, we're going to look at praying. And then last week, we're going to look at fasting. And so some of us know uh, as a church today, um, not today, today is our last day before we enter into 21 days of prayer and fasting, whatever that looks like for you. I want to challenge you, take some time today to really reflect and, and say, what are you going to do differently over the next 21 days to end this year strong, growing closer to God. And so there's a thing online. If you go to our website, tabernacleofgod.church, there's a thing there for 21 days. If you don't know what fasting's about, I got a PDF there to show you everything. Just lock it down, all right? So uh, the last Sunday of the final stretch, we're going to focus on fasting so we can, you know, end the fast well. But here, the thing is, notice what Jesus says. Don't practice it in a way in front of people. You're not going to get a reward. In essence, he's trying to show the heart of what we're supposed to do. So if you're a believer, you're a Christian, what is the point of doing all this stuff and why? Well, God, right now, Jesus is showing our motivation. He says, listen, when you do things like we just, we're doing today. I sang some songs today. Y'all sounded good doing it. Online, I knew you were singing. All right. Um, we sing songs. We pray. We're opening up the Bible. We're doing some stuff now. And so the thing is that we're supposed to do these things as a response to God. What he has done, who he is, we are called to live a way that is a response to God. The way we're not supposed to do it is do these things to get God to respond to us or to get people to respond to us. That's the wrong way to go about it. And that's what Jesus is kind of talking about here. When it comes to praying, fasting, this and that, you do it as a response to the goodness and to the love of God. We respond to God in that way. The way we're not supposed to do it is to get God to respond. God, look at me, look what I've done. So that means <laughs> pony up, it's your turn. What are you gonna do for me? Because I've been crushing it on my side. All right, what are you gonna do now? Or versus the other one, getting other people to respond to you. We're not supposed to do it in that way. And so let's look at, he goes right in and starts leaning in, naming names. He goes into the prideful giving of the Pharisees. So he's trying to help them understand, listen, the way you think to live, no, they don't even got it right. They don't even got it right. So let me show you. So let's look at verse two. Chapter six, verse two, Jesus says, so not doing it in front of others, 
Because uh, he says, otherwise you have no reward, meaning God's not going to respond to you like that. He's not your puppy. He's not your, you know, vending machine like we've talked about. Verse two, he says this. So whenever you give to the poor, that's going to be our focus today is giving. So whenever you give to the poor, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and on the streets do uh, to be applauded by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. All right, now again, culturally back then, sounding trumpets doing this, they, these guys had an interesting, some of these Pharisees that we were talking about had an interesting way of giving offerings. Now as a church, we are unashamed to talk about this. We are unashamed to talk about things like that. It's, it's crazy when you really look at it that Jesus talks about money more than he does hell, which is crazy. He talks about, that as one of the biggest topics because it is something that you and I identify with. Guys, listen, our relationship with money, our, the way we identify with money, it is so natural. We don't even recognize it half the time. And so Jesus has to, and he spent a lot of time helping us to see that money ought to be a tool. Money is not an idol. Money is a horrible God. Money is a horrible God. But it is a wonderful tool to do things in the world with. It's a horrible God. And so here he's trying, he's exposing. These people knew who he was talking about because the Pharisees were one and there was other people. The way they would give their offerings was this. See, the temple back then, this is where they all gathered. You know, we're gathering in a church building online. Back then you had one place, it was the temple. And they had 13 offering baskets. I mean, big little chambers. You know, we have like a couple of black boxes in the back and stuff like that. These guys had huge chambers with massive horns that you would just dump your offering into. So what these fools did, man, what they would do is if they knew that, yo, my offering is coming up, I'm going to give offering. They wouldn't just go and, you know, and humble God. Thank you so much for what. And then here, by the way, let me pause. Why do people give offering to begin with? If you never asked that question. If you've ever wondered, you know, here we go. They're going to ask for my money. I know you're, you know, you, know, you just kind of sat up and started, cl- you know, clinching your purse and clinching your wallet a little bit more in a minute. Listen, the reason why we willingly in this church and why the church and Christians willingly give, willingly donate is because we are in the same way that other people invest in businesses and invest in, you know, now Bitcoin and NFTs, all this other stuff, the blockchain, right? The world's crazy. And so the reason why we invest and people invest in certain things in order to get a kind of return or to make a difference, okay? This is an eternal investment that we do and that, that we believe in and that we, in giving of our money, we are recognizing that it's not our money to begin with. That the talent and abilities that we have, the job that we have, it comes from God himself. And so when we give of our offerings, when we give of our tithe, which is 10%, that is recognizing, Lord, you are the source of all of my good. You are the source of everything. And so when I give of my tithe, when I give of my offerings, which offering is above the tithe, just so y'all know, when we do those things, It is a recognizing saying, Lord, you are Lord of my life. And what you have done in my life, I want to invest into the kingdom so that others may know you, so that others can experience who you are. That is why we give what we give. That is why we do it. That's the motivation behind our giving. It is not, it's not, we're not throwing God a tip. Like, you know, God, this week, yo, it was good, bro. All right, here you go. 18% for you today. All right, 18% for you today. Our offerings are not a tip. And God does not issue you a bill. Who's grateful that God does not give us a bill for his services? Man. So we don't give out of any other motive but gratitude and love, and this is why we do it. And so these guys aren't doing that. 
You notice he said the trumpet and the sound. What they would do is, all right, um, if my offering was a certain amount of money, what they would do is they would convert their offering into the largest sum of coins possible. So imagine that's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, let me get an imagine. So here's what they do. They're bringing now wheelbarrows, buckets of a large amount of coins. And what they would do is they would take it and they would, you know, I'm here to praise God for look at how he has blessed me. Look at what he's done. And so God, here you go. And then they would throw the money. It would hit the horn and it would, they wanted to give the heaviest offering possible so that when it landed in that chamber, you know, the louder the sound, the more praise it was like, oh, I'm praising God by making my money move and sound like the way it is. No. Okay, well, they were doing it for show. They were doing it for show. That's like some of you guys, let's say somebody wanted to give an offering of 100 bucks. And instead of, you know, in a grateful, you know, you go, God, thank you so much. And God, you put it on my heart. And so I'm going to slide, slide 100 here, one Benjamin in the black box in the back. I'm going to do that. All right, cool. No, that's like somebody, that's like one of you coming in here with a bag of pennies equaling $100, all right, and just like throwing it on the stage, okay, or something like that, or even worse, let's say you come in with a stack of ones and just coming out here, and I'm like, I'm here to praise God for what he done to me. On the stage, I'm like, excuse me, who do you think I am, number one? And so that's what it is, and so wow, look at all those bills. That looks like he's giving a lot. God must have blessed him. Those are all singles, man. You see that? That's what they would do. They would, they would want to bring the fattest stack and make sure everybody, yo, about to give my offering today. That's what they would do to make it a show. They wanted everybody to see, everybody to hear, because they acquainted, they acquainted financial blessing with spiritual blessing, meaning the richer you were, that means the holier you were. That's the move that they would put. So obviously a lot of the poor people, they would feel like, yo, what, I got nothing to offer. If, if this is all I got, then that means, that means I'm failing God. Could you imagine the mental health issues that these people must have dealt with? He's like, Jesus is saying, don't do that. Yeah, I mean, because they would acknowledge, oh my gosh, that's what I want to do one day. He's like, no, 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 no. Don't do it like that. Don't do things in order to get an applause from people. Truly, they have their reward. They have the reward. The reward that they got is the approval of mankind. That's nothing. That's nothing. Listen, you know how sad it is? It took me a while to recognize that, and I still got to remember this. You know how much time I've wasted trying to impress people that really don't like me? Y'all feel me on that? School as an adult. How much time have you ever spent trying to impress somebody that, number one, doesn't like you, and number two, you don't really like them? Think about that. Like Some of us try to impress people that we don't even like. We just feel so unloved that I'd rather take those crumbs. We're so starving for affection and attention that we'll rather, I'd rather settle for fake superficial praise and acknowledgement from somebody I don't even like versus not being known. See, that's sad. Guys, we don't have to live like that. He's like saying, that's your reward. If you want to live like that, your reward is that. You got the applause from people and nothing else. And this is actually God really exposing their heart. See, here, what are these people doing? They are giving money to, for 
to not just bless God, but also for the poor, because the temple was supposed to take care of the poor and this and that. And so this is what they were doing. They were giving money so that the temple could do good. But here's the thing, guys, and this is the, the thing that we all need to understand, that you and I are called to help others. We are not called to help ourselves. We are all called to help others, not help ourselves. And there's a lot of people who do. They help others really because they want to help themselves. They want that affirmation. Just, oh, you are special. You are good. You're amazing. Right? Look at you. Look at you. And, you, you know, you're out there doing your good deed and making sure everybody knows. Hashtag blessed, right? Or whatever. Gosh, man. And so when you do things like that, it's like, no. No, it's, it, that's not the point. You, you are helping others, but you're really helping yourself. How selfish and wicked is that? How selfish and wicked is that? You are help, when I said a minute ago, oh, when you do good to manipulate your parents to do, you are so wicked. You don't care about your parents. You're so selfish. See, that, that's what we do when, when we want the credit for and all this stuff. That is, we are helping ourselves. We are using people for our benefit instead of loving people. That's what we're called to do. And so here Jesus exposes that, and they must have been like, oh. start looking at all the Pharisees. The Pharisees probably started sweating, getting like, what is, he? you know, they were getting all pissed. They're about to throw hands. And so here Jesus keeps going, though, and says this. Look at verse 3. Now he talks about, okay, that's not the way to give. Here's the prideful giving of the Pharisees. Here's how you should give. Look at verse 3 and 4. Jesus says, but... When you give, so he's making a clear distinction here. This is two separate things. But when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. I, I love the, the drastic word pictures that Jesus used. Notice he says in this one thing, it's like a spectacle, right? Trumpets and sounding and a show. And then over here, it's a secret, right? Give so that your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing. I mean, that doesn't make sense. That's logically impossible. Could you imagine if your left hand said, I'm gonna give some money, your right hand should be like, what, you, what, you, what you doing, bro, right? It's like, you know, I'm hungry. Huh? No, that's too much, bro. You know, stack, bring that back. It doesn't work like that. It's impossible. It's impossible to do that. But did you see the, the, the other side where it's like, I want everybody to know versus don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Like you see the complete polar opposite. So here he's going down to the heart of it. What if no one saw what you did? Would you do it anyways? What if no one would ever know the good deed that you're about to do? Would you still do it with that same energy? You see that? You, you, you feel me on that? You see where I got it? Some of us would be no. Some of us, if given the opportunity, if you knew that no one else was going to benefit but that person, let's be real, you probably wouldn't have done it. But you do it, not just so that person can benefit, so that you can benefit too. Mm. Here he says, that, that is our approach. It's if no one ever knew, I'm going to do it anyways, because first off, God knows. Did you see the father sees in secret? The secret means he sees the secret things of your heart. He knows the motivation of your heart, why you truly do what you do. And that's all that matters. If only God knew, would that be enough? Your answer, our answer should be yes. Our answer should be not to seek the applause of people, but for the praise of God. That is why we live for him. Not even to get an applause from him, but in saying, God, I love you so much. I want to love this person. 
because if I can give you something, I would do it, but I'm going to give it to this person. And so that is our motivation right there, to do things like that. And that is why we're called to give. And I'll give the, the, the full gamut of it, like we mentioned earlier today. Guys, some of you guys have, listen, I'll give you the trifecta of the things that we give, which is time, talent, and treasure. Three things that we have. Three of the most valuable things that we have, you have your time. You and I are called to give of our time to our families, number one. And we listen, when you got time, some of you like, oh, I don't got enough time to do that. I don't got enough time to do that. The, the problem is, you good, buddy. The problem is, listen, the problem is that you and I do not have, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it this way. The problem is that you guys have all the time that you have for what you want. You have the time. You have the time. You just don't want it. Anyway, so you feel with the time is one, guys. Our time, our attention, uh, patience and love. There's so many things that we can give, and we do it not as like, ugh, I have to. Oh, I should. Oh, I don't have to. Be. I wish I didn't have to. But no, we give out of a grateful heart. At time, our talent, listen, some of y'all got some wisdom. Some of y'all got some wisdom that you guys are being selfish with. Y'all need to share that. And I'm not just talking about like everyday stuff, like, you know, how to do this and how to do that. I'm talking about wisdom. I'm talking about wisdom that because you have lived your life. And some of you, let me be real, some of you guys feel like you have nothing to offer because you feel like you've made more mistakes than not. Anybody with me on that one? I've made more mistakes than not. What do I have to give? Uh, you have the gift of experience. You Just thought, think about that. You have the gift of experience. You can show, listen, I've been there. Don't go that road. I'll tell you. Listen, I got the receipts. I got the pictures. Look, look at this. I got the t-shirt. I was there and I survived. Listen, we have that. You guys have wisdom and you guys should not feel guilty. It's not about so much of just all the perfectness of what you've done, but everything else. We have time to give. We have treasures, talent to give. And then our money is a big one, guys. Our money is a big one. Do you guys know, just pause this for a second. Think about this. You, aside from sleeping, aside from sleeping, which we all do hours a day, aside from sleeping, you spend the majority of your life in an activity that is tied to a paycheck. Yes or no? You spend them, and which is normal, that's fine. I don't, that's not guilt tripping anybody. Listen, I want you to think about this. You spend the majority of your time doing an activity that is tied to a paycheck. And that job tends to be also your identity and who you are. So do you see how powerful the connection to your money and identity is? This is what we spend most of our time doing things to make money so that to live, to survive, to do what we need to do. That is what we spend the majority of our time doing. That is why when we give with our money, it is so powerful when we do it from a, a true heart place of gratitude. Because look, I've spent, a, I've spent a lot of my time to earn this money and I want to give it away. You see that? You see how powerful that is? That one cuts deep. That one comes deep, and tithing is a big one, guys, when we think of that. Tithing, like I said, is that 10%, which is beyond the law. It is something, and by the way, the 10% is not a ceiling, because that's what these Pharisees would do. The ceiling was, yo, they, some of these guys were rich, and they gave 10%, but they cut off God at 10%. I'm like, all right, God, you get your cut, I get mine. That's not how it works. You guys know that Lord, God is Lord of 100% of your money? God is Lord of 100%, not just 10%. 100%. So when we give of the tithe, that should be, Lord, I do this, but I'm going to manage the other 90 like you're still Lord of it all as well. I'm going to manage the rest and the 90 like that. But at the same time, guys, look, the, the tithe is not a ceiling that you hit. It's the floor that you go from. 
It's the floor. And it's important that we do that. And, it's, and again, down it's on our heart. I, I love the way uh, Donald Whitley put this this way. He talks about giving. There's three kind of people that they give. You got the grudging givers, like, oh, I have to. Nah, I have to give. That's grudging giving. But then you got the duty giving, which is okay, but it's not perfect. You know what duty giving is? I ought to give. I ought to give. That's okay. But thanksgiving is I want to. You see the difference between I have to, I ought to, I want to. That is the place that we are to give from. And notice he says that your father who sees you in secret will reward you. Now, he doesn't mean, that does not mean if I give God $100, I'm going to get back $100 and 15 like God, you know, God owes me interest. That doesn't work that way. The reward that God gives us isn't always financial in that way. It is deeper and better than that. It is a right relationship with God. Listen, he is your reward. He is your reward. I'm going to say that again because some of you guys are like, oh, really? That's it? Yes, he is your reward. It is his love, it is his wisdom, it is his strength, it is his presence. That, you cannot put a price tag on that. He is your reward. And when you give in a true, grateful place, that relationship flourishes. That's what that means. I would rather be broke eating ramen noodles if I was just good with God and that was it versus anything else. Like that's where we are, that's the place and the motivation. How and why we're supposed to give, and I'll give you one more, and we're going to wrap up. Look at, I'm going to skip to you. I'm, I got it on the screen. Normally, I stick to one, but I'm going to show you 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Paul is kind of really doubling down on what Jesus was saying. Years later, he's telling this Corinthian church about giving, and he says, a very famous verse, some of y'all might have heard it before. In chapter 9, verse 7, he says, each person should do what he has decided in his heart. You should do what you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. Some of you guys might have heard that before. God loves a cheerful giver. Notice he says you must decide. Notice that the church can't decide for you. God can't decide for you. The government should not decide for you. No, but none of them should decide for you. You should decide what I'm going to do and why I should do it. And notice he even said the why. You should give. You, don't, you shouldn't give out of compulsion, meaning somebody's going to guilt trip you or, 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 or threaten you or manipulate you. You shouldn't give out of that heart. Instead, what did he say? God loves a what kind of a giver? Cheerful giver. You know, that word cheerful actually is the same word that means hilarious. Hilarious. If you, I mean, I, I love hearing anybody with me. Like, you love when you see a movie and you see a scene, you get a joke that's just hilarious. Like, you just got to hold on. I, I'm, I'm about to pee. Wait a minute. Like, that feeling is amazing. Let's just be real. When it just hurts, your cheeks hurt, that you are laughing so hard, that something was that funny and hilarious. That's like you're, you're exploding with joy. That's how we're supposed to give. We're supposed to give with this attitude of joy and gratitude for what? Why? Because of what God has done and because, you know what, that's who he is. That is who he is. Do you guys know that, you know why God loves a cheerful giver? Because God is a cheerful giver. I want you to stop and ask yourself, what has God given you? He's given us a lot. What has God given you? How does God give? Let me stop there. How does God give? Ask that question. He gives cheerfully. He gives with pure joy. Doesn't that understanding of giving maybe change the way you see John 3, 16? For God gave his one and only son. He didn't give it out of compulsion. 
look what these guys did. They, I, I'm, I gave them paradise. I gave them fruits. I gave them all this. Look at the mess. Jesus, get in the game, bro. You got to fix this. Okay? He, didn't, he doesn't give his son out of compulsion, doesn't tap him in. I'm like, yo, I'm, not, I'm done with them. You do. I, I did my job. You fix this. I don't care. Gee, God did not give his son out of compulsion, and he didn't give his son out of manipulation. Oh, Jesus, you hear them, right? They're praying. They're, they're begging me, so... What am I going to do? Can I get in there? He, Jesus did not, God did not give, the Father did not give his son out of compulsion, manipulation. He gave it cheerfully. He says, I gave my one and only son so that whoever can believe could live and know. That is how God gave. And you know, that's how Jesus gave of himself. Jesus gave his life in that way. Hebrews says, because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus is not on the, on the cross. I'm like, listen, man, if y'all would have just paid attention, did what I told you to do, I wouldn't have to be in this mess. <laughs> All right, that, wouldn't, that wasn't Jesus. Jesus is not giving his life out of compulsion. He's not getting, giving his life out of manipulation. Oh, do, do you see how much I love you? Will you please believe me now? He's not doing that. Jesus, even though he did not enjoy that pain, he endured the pain from the joy that he would experience knowing the joy you would experience to know that God loves you and that there is hope beyond this world. And that you could be able to be restored back to God. Guys, the reason why you and Christians, we're supposed to be cheerful givers and all that we do is because that reflects our God. A joyful, generous God. And the point of giving, which Jesus was trying to hold on, is this. is Remember, we give as a response to God. Not to get God to respond to us and not to get people to respond to us. The goal for giving is this. To praise God for who he is. And to point others to God. That is why we give of our time. That is why we give of our treasure. That is why we give of all things. For those two reasons. To praise God and to point others to God. So that he can do what he has done in us and he can do it in them if not more. And so I want to ask you again this last question. What has God given you? And then I'm going to ask you what are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing with what God has given you? He's, the job that you have is because of him. The little that you have is because of him. All that you have is because of him. So take a reflection and ask yourself, I want you to examine your hearts. And when it comes to offering and your tithe, let me talk to the church really quick, all right? When it comes to your tithes and your offerings, how do you give? Do you give out as a sense of, oh, I have to give this 10%, but if I didn't have to, I wish I wouldn't because I got some bills to pay and I got debt to get out of. How do you give? Oh, I got to give because if I don't tithe, then I feel guilty and I feel so bad. And so really now your giving is just to appease your guilt, not to praise God for his glory. Think about that. It's to appease your guilt, not for his glory. What are, what are you doing with what he's given you? It should come from a place of gratitude and love. And you know what? He sees your motivation better than you can even see it now. And he's inviting you to say, all right, you see it? All right, cool. Let me address that, and let's do better. Let's continue to love it. And guys, some of you may feel, oh, but some of y'all maybe don't give because you feel like it's too little. Oh, what, what's it going to do? Maybe like those people before, like the poor people. Well, what I have to offer? I have nothing to offer, God. I have nothing to do. Well, listen, God can multiply and maximize in his hands more than what you can in yours. 
And you have to trust him. Listen, I, there's two types of people. I like the way Robert Moore says it when it comes to tithers. You got two types. You got those who don't tithe, all they have is excuses. And those who do, all they have is testimonies. Those are the two people. You, you're, you're either going to end up with testimonies or you're going to end up with excuses. And the thing is, God says, trust me in all these things. Trust me. He's not telling you to do something and to give of your time volunteering and to give of your time inside of the church, inside for one another. He's not telling you to give more so that he can be prouder of you. He's not trying to give more, give more or else. No, we ought to because he gave it all for us. God gave it all for us and our response, our giving and our living should be a response to what God has given us. And remember, what did he give us? himself on the cross so that we can come to know and experience and not just receive the goodness of God, but reflect it. The gifts that God gives you in Christmas, you're going to get a lot of gifts and some of y'all are going to keep most of them. Some of y'all, be real, you're going to repackage them and give them to somebody else because you didn't like it. But you know that that's the gifts that the way that God gives us gifts, that's what we're supposed to do. God gives you gifts so that you can give them away. God blesses you so that you can bless somebody else. He gives so that you could give. He loves you so that you could love. He comforts you so that you can comfort. He encourages you so that you can encourage. God, all the gifts that we get from God, we're not supposed to keep them for ourselves. We're supposed to give them away. So if you're an unbeliever, if you're listening to me now or later, I'm telling you now, stop giving of yourself just to be accepted because that's what happens. Stop giving of yourself. Some of you guys are giving yourselves to people and giving all of yourself and giving money and you're giving yourself just to be accepted. I'm telling you, it's not enough. First off, Jesus did that for you. Jesus gave himself so that you could accept him. He does not ask you to give of yourself so that you can be accepted. Jesus gave himself so that you could accept him. So I'm here to tell you good news if you receive Christ. You accept Christ. Your problem is you want people to accept you. No, uh, you need to accept Christ. And when you do, he'll accept you just the way you are. And he'll show you a whole new world and something more wonderful and beautiful than you ever thought you could ever imagine. But the problem is not that you are not accepting or you, the problem is not that you need to be accepted. The problem is you got to accept Christ. And for everybody else who has. If you haven't accepted Christ, stop giving of yourself to be accepted. Instead, accept Christ. And if you have accepted Christ, start giving of yourself so that others can see and know the God that you've come to know. Give of yourself for two reasons. To praise God for his goodness. To praise God for what he's given you. And to point others to God so that they can receive the same thing. This is how we are to give, and this is how we are called to live. So I want to challenge you. Let's do a quick reflection. I want you guys to, I want you to bow your heads, and we just reflect a little bit. Let's look at the, the, the theme of the day. We sang some songs this morning about we're going to praise God no matter the circumstances. And we talked about how he is matchless and wonderful and glorious and all these things. Well, how are we going to give? How are we going to live those truths today. God, I want to take a minute and thank you. We've been giving of our time today. We've set aside time to open up your word and we've given you our attention. God, I pray that we've been listening humbly to what you've had to say to us. And God, I'm, I'm thankful, God, that you give us, you give us 
your love, your grace, your mercy that is beyond measure. And every single day, your mercies are brand new. We never, you will never tap out. You will never run out of mercy. You will never run out of love. You will never run out of grace. It is 100% renewable at always, at max capacity. And God, I just want to thank you for that. Thank you for the grace that you experienced and the mercy, God, that you reflected on the cross. When you died, you gave yourself selflessly. So, Lord, that we could be forgiven of our selfishness and we could be forgiven of our pride and forgiven of our sin. God, I want to thank you for the gift that you gave us on the cross. And thank you, God, that you you gave us the gift of victory over sin and death when you rose from the dead. And you are alive today giving us the gift of your presence and the gift of your Holy Spirit for all who believe and trust in Jesus. And so, Lord, I want to take a minute and thank you for what you have given us and what you still plan to give us, Lord, the future that we have in you. And God, I pray that you may help us, Holy Spirit, to respond to that love. And God, that's my encouragement to you today. Each one of you, God is probably leading you and encouraging you to respond in many different ways. For some of you, maybe the response needs to be repentance. Maybe you've been seeing, you know what, I've been, I've been doing certain things or I've been trying to give and do and pray and reality, I, I, I want God to respond to me. I'm not responding to him. If that's the case, just ask, Lord, forgive me for being selfish, thinking I can manipulate you like that. For some of us, if we've been giving of our time, our, 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 our abilities, of our money, and we've been giving it in a way to appease our guilt rather than for God's glory, then say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. Thank you, God, that you did not squash me this morning. You knew that was an issue, and you let me live. God, thank you for letting me see that. I give that to you right now in Jesus' name. For whatever it is, guys, I encourage, I ask you, I ask you right now to respond to God. If you've been making more excuses than anything else, if you have a, a plethora of excuses and not testimonies, then say, Lord, forgive me of my heart. Change my heart. I want to honor you. God, thank you that regardless of, of what I give compared to somebody else, you don't love me less because somebody gives more. God, thank you for your love and your mercy. God, that you do not play favorites. And God, I pray that you may continue to lead each and every one of us. God, that you may take, God, and multiply. For some of us, God, maybe it's our time that we're going to start to give more. Maybe that's what you're leading to. God, I pray that you may take our time, our talents, our treasure. Take all of these things, maximize it. We put it in your hands, God, that you may maximize it for your glory. God, that we may continue to draw near to you and point others to you. God, that you may continue to mold and shape us for your glory, Lord, and for the good of others. God, I, and I pray that we all, we all, each and every one of us may accept in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord and that you may show us, Lord, how to live. God, we just give you right now praise for your patience in us. Praise, God, for your kindness. Praise for your love. In Jesus' name, I want you to just right now praise God for his heart. Praise him for his, his encouraging love towards you. If God wounded you today, it's because he loves you. So just in your heart, thank him for his generosity, for the generosity of his love, for his patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness towards you. Praise him and thank him for all of these things. Because listen, you are just actually scratching the surface of all of that. And so I pray in Jesus' name that you may continue to know and see how wonderful your God is and that you may practice these things 
for no other reason but to enjoy the God that you have. In Jesus' name I pray. As Christians, we are called to be generous with everything that God has given us because it reflects a generous God who gave it all for us. Listen, you are giving so much of your time, attention, abilities. You're giving it away right now. What I want to challenge you to do is I want you to ask this question. Are you wasting what God has given you or are you investing what God has given you? Two very, very different approaches. Now, now when you There's have a lot that, that question in mind, now you have a new lens to see the world and to react and respond to it. Because this is what we are called to do. We are called to give our lives for the glory of God and for the good of others. So I want to challenge you, whatever God has placed in your heart, whatever he stirred in your heart throughout this word, I want you to respond to it. God has given you something. If you've been listening and reacting, God has given you something. It is now your turn to do something with what God has given you. It's my challenge to you because this is the kind of revolutionaries that God is looking for is not just a bunch of people who are centered at themselves that the whole world revolves around themselves and all they want to do is get 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 and receive 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 especially from God you want to receive and receive and not reflect that's a problem you got to be willing to give and everything that God gives you you got to give it away everything that God gives you the wisdom the encouragement if God is blessing you financially then ask Lord how can I do this how can I manage 100% of what you are giving me in a healthy honest way how can I live beneath my means so that I can have the money to meet people's needs that's the idea we want to make sure that we're not just wasting our lives but we are investing it into eternal things that's the kind of revolutionaries that God is looking for that put everything at the center revolve their finances revolve the way they spend their time at Christ at the center